This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Don't Cry For Me Argentina sports oh, business podcast, oh. The Sportacast. Uh, do, do you know Evita? You know the whole story? Oh, I do. You 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 made such a big deal about Petula Clark last week, Scott. Uh, I figured I'd bring Andrew Lloyd Webber to the uh, yeah. to, to the podcast today. <laughs> I think we should do our best impersonation of Andres Cantor. Oh, wow! That was that was that was pretty cool. I mean, a huge, obviously, Argentina fan, soccer fan. I mean, he could barely get the word. His eyes started to to well immediately. He's like, go. Argentina campeón del mundo, and he's like, then he reaches over to his partner. His partner puts his arm around him. His eyes start to well. He's just, and, and over and over, Argentina campeón del mundo. Almost like he couldn't believe it. He was talking himself into it. Like, is this real? Great I, I should I, I mean, shouldn't be surprised by it, but I was amazed at how quickly everybody wanted the Andres Cantor call. Right, oh, no, no, knowing that, of course I wanted his place in the sport and also where his allegiances are. Uh, and you're right; it, it very much lived up to the uh, to the billing as well. And so did the game. I don't know if you watched it, Scott, but what a, a dramatic, uh, a, a dramatic back and forth, a perfect billboard and advertisement for soccer at its at its most exciting. Let's just say that. But if I may. Because we are always honest with our audience, and far be it for me to call you a fibber. But we discussed this earlier. You do know whether I watched it or not. Like That's she just right. teed <laughs> You do know whether you know I didn't I watch it. Um, yeah, why didn't you watch it, Scott? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think everybody knows why I didn't watch it. I was stuck in an ice rink um, where yeah, this was. A, we were in which was the first rink? We were in. Oh, I was at the uh, the Belmont Hill School in Belmont, Massachusetts, for a game against the. Uh, the Junior Eagles uh, at what was that first first one was 10 a.m. and then we had a a 2 p.m. rematch against the Junior Eagles. So we had to drive to the second venue. We went to a restaurant to get something to eat between games, and we got there in time for I'd say the last 10 minutes of overtime and the shootout. So the kids got to see what they wanted to see. Well, you before you turned it on, you missed an already an all timer of a game and a a legacy cementing whatever the superlatives are yeah. you want to hurl. At Leo Messi, a World Cup championship was probably the only real uh, missing part of his resume. And to get it in this fashion at this point at 35 years old, there's no bigger takeaway for me from a business standpoint about this Qatar World Cup than it being the Messi Messi Uh, I'm going to give you a takeaway. My focus group of one was a focus group of 15 because the team was there. And these kids were all following it on the phone and they wanted to race to the restaurant and they were glued to the TV and they're throwing like Di Maria and Mbappe and the, they knew all the players and they were so excited. So 
what does that portend for 2026 when the World Cup comes to U.S. soil, North American soil? These kids, I think for now, I don't know if it'll be every Saturday morning, but I think that they're going to be watching a lot more soccer than they used to. I think that's right. And if I'm Fox, we have not seen, we're recording this on Monday before we get the numbers. Uh, I imagine the numbers are going to be really big for what Fox did in, on, on Sunday morning for that France-Argentina uh, championship. Fox obviously has the TV rights again in four years when the time zones will be a little bit better for viewership because it will be held here in North America. A lot of things I would imagine really exciting for, for Telemundo and for Fox as they look ahead uh, four years from now to, to the tournament being here. Yeah, by the way, can I tell you about that Belmont Hill School? This is what's going through my head since I said it. Can, can I tell you about this place? Like you've heard, please, I mean, please. We've all heard about these private schools and sort of what they look like and what, but it was very funny. I was I was texting uh, some of the Boston sports folks that you know we deal with, and one owner says, Oh, my proud alma mater. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Fine. And and then I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm like, beautiful rink, beautiful facility. You know, it's a, it's an Olympic size rink in the back of the school. It's crazy. He's like, well, proud to say, I chaired the committee that did the athletic uh, fields. And I'm like, of course you did. But by the way, just unbelievable, like really, really unbelievable facilities. And I'm sure all the other prep schools up there are quite similar. But so it looks like the, something Cutter would have built in the past. It looks uh, like in, something in, Cutter in would have built. Twelve years. Yeah, yeah exactly. A little <laughs> less, ready probably for, a little uh, less for expensive. A high profile thing. But man, oh man, so. Um, yeah, I, I just go back to watching all the kids and being so excited and you know, using the soccer terminology. It wasn't just that they were watching it. They were clearly watching the entire tournament and they were talking about other teams. And there was some song that my kid was playing. You know, I was humming it outside for you, the World Cup. I have no idea what it is, but they name every country and he knows every word. He's singing the whole damn song. And the kids were discussing and they wanted to warm up with the soccer ball beforehand. Normally they throw a football around and warm up. But, you know, as hockey teams at the pro level do, they, they kick in a soccer ball around a warm up and they were they were pretending they were each player on different teams. So whether it has a long lasting hold, I don't know, but at least captured the attention and the imagination. And it sure helps, by the way, when there's six goals scored. I hope if that was zero zero, it's not the same. I'm sorry. It sure helps that there were six goals scored. American fans, if you want to capture the American imagination, and I know it's not central, I get it. I know I am one who enjoys a first touch settle that's beautiful or a pass or a run or a create space. I enjoy that as much as the next person. I played the game. I understand it. But if you want to capture the hearts and minds and the wallets of America youth, you better score some damn goals. That's what I got to say. Do you think Jackson and his teammates know Angel Di Maria because they watched a lot of the World Cup? Or yes. do they know it because of FIFA, the video game? Uh, both. Okay. Both. Yeah, 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 definitely. But to see them in in person, um, plying their trade to watch Messi score, and as they would say, an overtime goal. Um, I will say my kid was like, you know, in the World Cup final, you shouldn't play the whole 30 minutes. Should be golden goal. You score, you win. That's it. Like that should have ended it right there. Yeah. yeah, he's like, no shootout. That should have ended it right there. I, I couldn't disagree with him. <laughs> It, it does this, and I've been on this boat for a long time. It felt like it highlighted just how bad the shootout is as a means of deciding the most consequential game in in, in global sports every four years. It, it seems almost criminal to have that game that exciting, that many goals, and then to have it end in what is essentially a very gimmicky 
style. It's almost like the NBA finals if it just ended in a shootout competition or, or a free throw shooting competition. But you do get the notion that you can't have them out there running forever. Like, uh, you, you know, I don't. That's why, yes why, why the no. NHL went to three on three. If I told you there was another 30 minutes of that game, do you think it would have ended tied? I don't I don't believe it. I, I don't know. It um, depends on how they want to play it. I don't yeah. know. Maybe you just reach a point of exhaustion where you really can't do much. I mean, if you've played soccer, and, I, and I'm going to use this lightly. I know you have as a goalie. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but as one who has been out in the field and actually running for a long period of time, you know, maybe I'm just not in the, in the shape that I should have been. But I got, I'm going back to my, you know, my teenage years. You get to a point where like, everything just goes. Like the the ability to to start stop dribble settle it just go if you hit a point of fatigue where you've just hit too much it just gets ugly like maybe that would lead to a goal I don't know or a mistake I don't know or maybe it just leads to more ugly soccer I think you would probably agree with me on this I think one of the most exciting things in sports is Stanley Cup playoff overtime yeah where they literally play as you know they play until the, the wheels fall off There's yeah but no, very but, they can yeah, go but that's four my extra point. overtime periods but that's a that's a little puck and it's always moving towards the net. And it's just bound to go in. You do, you you don't often get. You can play minutes. an extra sixty minutes of, of overtime hockey without a goal. I don't I, think I, you I, you can play that many sixty extra minutes of World Cup soccer and not get and not get goals. I mean, we saw right. two in the thirty minutes that, that, that they did have. To me, it feels like yeah, it should be golden goal, and they should keep playing until somebody wins. And, and I know you read uh, an article that sort of pointed out the difference between what it would be a North American or American focus on the World Cup success on a, on a broad scale as well as what that meant in, in the Arab world. Uh, and you see for Qatar, a, a just a home run success in what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, this is a story in Grid News that had tipped to Jacob Feldman, who sent it to me, and and, and it's written by a, a guy named Aziz Abu Sarah. Uh, and he's looking at essentially the, the way in which this was a really big success for Qatar. And it's, and it's not it, a lot of people in, in the West, in Europe, in, in North America – the coverage obviously did focus on, and a lot of people understand that this was an, an incredibly corrupt process. It was very expensive. A lot of migrant workers died in horrible conditions to build the stadium. That is, is an ingrained part of this World Cup in many parts of the world. But in other parts of the world, and particularly in North Africa and in the Arab world, um, according to this journalist, uh, things are very different. There is a lot of pride in the Arab and Muslim worlds about this World Cup and where it was held. Um, they are looking, obviously, Qatar is looking for more tourism, and, and I think it expects a lot of that at least initially to come from the wealthiest people in the Arab and Muslim worlds. And in that regard, it seems as though at least early signs that this was a big success. So I think it's a good reminder for people who here in America think that, yeah, that no one in America is going to want to go to Qatar after this World Cup. I think that that is largely true, but America was not the audience for the $200, $300 billion that the Qatari spent over the past decade to get this World Cup together. The audience was someone very different, and at least according to this, it seems as though uh, there was a lot more success in the places that it mattered relative to to success in, in sports washing Cutter's image here in the U.S. Right, before we move on to the next topic, can I take your temperature on what would clearly be defined as U.S. sports marketing ramped up to a ridiculous degree? Can I do that? <laughs> yes, because please. Because it'd be fun. You know how here you chop up a piece of the court, you, know, you sell it like you know a small piece of a basketball chamber. Okay. What do you think you could take a blade of grass <laughs> From that field, put it under a little piece of, you know, plastic, whatever, put it in a little card with a, you know, maybe you get a, you could get a, you can get some signed, you know, underneath, messy, whatever. 
any trouble. Bleed- I don't know how many blades of grass are on that field, but do you think there'd be any trouble selling those out? No, I think the the net the netting of the goal is also netting a, a goal, one you could definitely the do themselves. The goals themselves, P- piece of yes. one of the game balls. There's, there's yeah. a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of stuff you could do there. And I, I actually have no idea what FIFA's memorabilia and collectible strategy. Let's look into uh, this strategy yeah. is, but there and, and I this is Michael an under, Rubin on Michael Rubin for Johnny Infantino. Michael yeah. Rubin on one line one. Exactly, exactly. Yes, I think there there is certainly probably money being left on the table. Um, in collectibles for for this and a lot of other sporting events. It's true of Super Bowls. It's true of World Series to a degree as well. We're hearing like Leo Messi is now approaching 400 million Instagram followers. I can't think of anything better for it. Like what could he have done to almost have this this legacy now that will assuredly last long past his playing career. This like jettisons him into, I can capitalize on my name, image, and likeness, uh, on my association with this win for the rest of my life, a la Roger Federer in tennis. You don't have to be an active athlete anymore to still have people uh, want an association with you and your brand. It's Diego Maradona levels. It's it's thousands of of, of, of murals probably all across yeah. Argentina. It's kids, all billions of, of children that, that that are growing up and, and and look at him as a as a hero of some sort. Yeah, that there is Messi is and, and 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 we talked about this at the beginning of the tournament that this felt in a lot of ways like a Ronaldo versus Messi versus Neymar kind of referendum on on the three biggest stars of their you know era, era. And I know you do, yeah. And, and there's a lot of people for whom this kind of cements Messi as a as a step above uh, the other two. Um, but yeah, this is. To, to to have it go this way for him to score three if you include the penalty kick th- three goals in the uh in, in the final game everything to win the golden boot or golden ball i forget which one it is um all all these things to break his way uh yeah this is uh this is the cherry on top of a of a remarkable career and he he said he's not retiring so we'll at least see him in an argentina jersey again at some point as well matt bach our managing editor i just saw come through to the other editors here you're not in the editor channel but the uh the messy 400 million Instagram follower story is now on the way up to publish. There we go. So he, he crossed that threshold as we were on the air. Congratulations, Leonel. I know you're very happy uh, about the, the Sportacast boost. Yeah, you're exactly. You're that's that's what you needed our audience. There we go. Now we're there. Uh, let's keep it in soccer. Let's bring it back to the U.S. Let's turn to the women's game and the NWSL story broken by you and Emily Karen that the NWSL, we all know, is uh, adding a, a couple of expansion teams uh, still in the running. Well, we think Utah, of course, is going to be one. But for the other still in the running, the Bay Area, Boston, and Tampa. What do you see in the three groups? What are the synergies? Uh, give me some price points. Uh, all of it, by the way. The interest, we know who some of these people are. The the interest, the dollars, all of it, good news for the NWSL. 100%. Yeah, the, these three groups, I'll go through some the, the people who are backing them real quick. The Bay Area group is, uh, the main money is Sixth Street Private Equity Firm, uh, which is an investor in, uh, in in the Spurs, owns Legends. They are partnering with a group of San Antonio, not Tottenham, since we're talking soccer. It's Tottenham. Yes, exactly. San Antonio Spurs. They're, they're partnering with a group of, of, of very impressive former U.S. women's national team players, including uh, Brandi Chastain, Danielle Slayton, Allie Wagner. The Boston group is a group of local uh, female businesswomen, um, Jennifer Jennifer Epstein and Stephanie Connaughton are two of the names that we heard. We know there's a few others. It sounds like Linda Henry, who is the wife of John Henry, owner of Liverpool and the Red Sox, is also involved in that group. But a lot of private equity group there. A lot of private equity money there. Exactly. And then in Tampa, uh, as we understand it, the, the the main backer there is Stu Sternberg, who owns, he's the majority owner of the Rays and also of the Rowdies, a soccer team 
down in Florida. So a, a really interesting kind of diverse group. We've got one headed and run by private equity, one backed by local businesswomen, another one backed by a very prominent local sports team owner. Obviously, a lot of questions, Scott, about where these teams might play stadium-wise. There's particularly in Tampa, I think there are political concerns about what is going on at the, at the local legislative w- level and, and, and how that meshes with where NWSL sees its target audience and targets fans being um, San Diego, uh, so, sorry, the Bay Area would be the third NWSL team in a 14-team league, joining uh, one in LA and one in San Diego. So there's a lot of different layers and interesting processes here. But to, 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 to be opening up a 14th franchise, we were told all the bidding is around the $40 million mark. A few of them we know are, 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 are a bit higher but, than but that. That's up, from, that's up from what and when? It was two million as of two years ago, right? It was low, low, low single million dollar. Numbers. All these owners keep telling us, like, you're crazy if you don't get involved. There's a massive opportunity, massive upside. Like, and, do and it just, while you can. Just to show how 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 recently, when David Blitzer, who owns the the, the RSL, the, the MLS team in Utah, he's sitting on an option to to, to join ML uh, join NWSL. It's a two million dollar option, Scott, and and that was raised from. What I was told was about $500,000 option as of two years ago when, when, they, when the league moved the original Utah team to Kansas City. So just a few years ago, it was written into a contract that there was a $500,000 option to join the league. And now he's going to exercise that $2 million option alongside someone who's going to pay, let's just say, $45 million to, to join the league. So, so that's how quickly and how rapidly NWSL expansion uh, fees are going and we had Angie Long and Kara Nortman on the podcast a few months ago talking about the business growth. There's a lot of ways to look at NWSL and be be pretty bullish on on the revenue growth and also the business growth. All roads back to you in Princeton. Angie and Chris Long, Palmer Square Capital. Palmer Square, mm-hmm. of course, right in the middle of Princeton University. Winberry, you know I had spent many a day there when I lived in <laughs> Lawrenceville. For people who don't listen to the show, you, of course, were an esteemed athlete esteemed. on the lightweight football team at Princeton <laughs> University which won exactly zero games during your tenure. Congratulations. That is, all of that is uh, all of that is sadly accurate. One other thing we should mention on on NWSL Scott, there are two other teams that are for sale in the wake of the kind of ongoing uh, investigations yeah, perhaps and, and the most new valuable team in the league in the Thorns, yeah. Portland Thorns uh, and the and, and the Red Stars over in Chicago. So in addition to Utah and one of those three expansion teams joining the league, we're probably going to have two new owners in the league by the start of next season as well. All right. Now let, let's go to the other football, the one that you know many, many people watch here in the U.S. and how they watch and where they watch may be changing. Uh, we know DirecTV had Sunday Ticket. Uh, there's some things for sale, some media assets along with the NFL that may be for sale. But we're hearing Apple, at least Puck, Puck is telling us that Apple is out of that bidding, leaving Amazon and YouTube, of course, owned by Google, uh, still in the running for Sunday Ticket package. Uh, as long as the NFL has two, I think they're very happy. People certainly understand the value of NFL programming. Apple, of course, did the deal with MLS. You know, most of the programming, most of the games will be there in one stop shop. You wonder like the different motivations for the different entities and why would somebody be in and why would somebody be out? Um, it's, it's about platform. It's about, do you put it on a first tier service? Do you put it, uh, how widely distributed do you allow it to be? Do you put it on a premium service to protect your over the air broadcasters? How much do you you charge? Yeah. Yeah, How much are you going to charge? So uh, a lot of factors going in, but I'm pretty happy if I'm the NFL and on the other side of the table, I'm looking over and I see Amazon and Google. 
that's pretty okay by me. I know I'm going to be a pretty decent number and have a pretty damn good partner. This is a surprise. I think if if you were to poll people who are even kind of in the know as of two or three months ago, I think that this would have looked like it was almost definitely going to be Apple's. The fact that Apple's dropped out, I'll add a third, by the way, option there. If if Amazon and Google are the two other companies that are that are really in serious talks here, I wouldn't put it past the NFL to maybe try to do something on its own. Not, yeah, sure. They, they're thinking about trying to get strategic partners for its own media properties. The mere properties. fact that NFL films tied up with Skydance in, in sort of a way that really will enhance the NFL as entertainment. Um, different portals available there now and, and, and some really top-tier storytellers the NFL, I would not be shocked if other parties are, are thinking, okay, well, maybe you're not getting exactly what you want. Let's figure out a way where we can do business together. I think that's right. And if the reporting around Apple, which seems to to indicate that the NFL's own restrictions on what this how, how this could be distributed, what it would cost. Obviously, the NFL wants to protect its legacy media partners as well, the ones who pay $115 billion over the next 11 years to, to broadcast the product. If those are too restrictive for Apple, who knows if they're too restrictive for for, for a Google and an, and an Amazon as well. But there is at least another option here. The NFL has played around with NFL Plus, that product this year. Again, they're looking for strategic partners for things like NFL Network. It's unclear what the NFL Network's future is. Who knows if the NFL could decide that they just want to reimagine an over-the-top platform itself, make 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 the league in some ways the distributor of NFL Sunday ticket and, and do that that way, which which Obviously, it gives them the ability, maybe less money coming in directly, but gives them the ability to really dictate everything they want to do around the coverage, what it looks like, who can access it, et cetera. I would say we'd be wise to have Anthony Krupe on to discuss all this, but our show is not seven hours long, <laughs> so we, we don't have time for Anthony Krupe storytelling. Uh, but a smart dude, so we do talk to him often. How about we, you know, let's invite Brian Rolap on the show, start the new year. Would love to, yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's invite Brian on. We have we haven't. I don't think we no. We haven't talked to Brian, right? He hasn't been on the show. No, I, he was on the our, a previous version of this podcast at a, at a prior employer, but he has not been on. on he the was on the Bloomberg show. I don't know why you're afraid to say Bloomberg. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was. He, he was, was on, on the, the Bloomberg show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll I'll call Brian and see if he wants to come on the show. Uh, NLRB, more news. Uh, making rules in college football that it seems as if we're on the path that college football players, college basketball players will be considered employees. Lots of ramifications. Yeah, schools have fought forever with the, NF- the NLRB Northwestern case. But now uh, the, the, the interesting point here is that they focused in on USC, which is a private institution, not a public institution. Mike McCann told us that matters, and here's why. It's dizzying, Scott, just to try to it keep is. tabs on all of the different ways the, the classic college sports business model is either under attack or is is changing the, the league, the NCAA in the past week. Also, we should mention new president, Charlie Baker, yeah, the, we should, the, Charlie the, Baker yeah. the governor of Massachusetts when his term is up early next year is going to become yeah. the next president of uh, of the NCAA. Bold prediction by Sashnik, he will unsuccessfully try to get an antitrust exemption it, for the NCAA. It, there it, you it go, I'm saying unsuccessfully though, right now. He was he was picked uh, largely because the NCA is looking for that antitrust exemption, and and someone with 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 deep knowledge of the of the political arena might be might be able to 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 to, to make that happen. Uh, but yeah, going back to NLRB, there, there has been this conversation for so long about whether athletes should be considered employees. We're seven years, Scott. I, I can't decide if that's longer or shorter. 
uh, but seven than I think it is, but seven years since Northwestern held that vote, that union vote, uh, the, the football team led by Kane Coulter. Uh, th- there's a lot of interesting things here. If they are employees by and joint employer by the school, the conference, and the NCAA, that would mean they need to get paid. That would need they mean benef- they need benefits. It would also mean they can be fired. There is a whole host of ways, and this if it happens, it's probably a long way away still. But there's a whole host of ways by whereby if if the NLRB decides that under the National Labor Relations Act that college athletes, particularly those in in sports like football and men's basketball, are employees, there is a whole host of ways, and we don't have time to get into them, but a whole host of ways in which the entire economy of college sports dramatically changes under that scenario. Good for you, by the way, because when you were talking again the second time, I I referenced Northwestern, and when I think of Northwestern, like the only name that comes to mind is the the running back Darnell Autry. Mm, okay. Right? So that you know, I, I just remember he was like a theater major, but he's a great football player. So yeah. I, you know, I remember all that. And in my head, I was like, "What the heck was that quarterback's name? <laughs> Who was the? He was the name, wasn't he? he was the name complaint on the yeah. thing?" Like, and then you just said, "Oh, led by quarterback King Coulter." Thank you. <laughs> that that would have been one of those that bothered me for days, and I would not have allowed myself to look it up. I would have just like just stubbornly <laughs> just, waited until it popped. For it to pop. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah. I can't name a. Can you name a single other Northwestern football player? Uh no. Okay. No, <laughs> I neither could I. Yeah, I tried. I can't. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Neither could I. Anyway, like, we need Ravel. Hey, Darren Ravel, give me like there you give go. Me yeah. 1,200 former North, uh, Northwestern football players. Uh, all right. And by the way, Aaron Judge, that, you know, he hit 62 home runs this year. And I heard. You know, that, you know, that dude caught the ball and he kind of, you know, ushered out of the stadium. I think he's in finance. And what do they say? Buy low, sell high. That's what you want to do. Somebody had offered him $3 million for the ball. He turned it down and chose instead to put it up for auction. Well, that auction closed on Saturday night or right Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Um, offered three, uh, settled for 1.25. I'm no expert in auction, but <laughs> lower three greater than 1.25. Still, still a lot of money, but should have taken the three really. Like Monty, Monty Hall, you know what? You, do you know the Monty Hall reference? No. Oh, oh God, you're so young and stupid. Sorry. <laughs> Monty Hall, let's make a deal. Yeah, I know, I know the show, but I know it under other, other hosts. All right, well, like you have a great prize. And what? like sometimes you're like, oh, do you, or do you want what's in the box or behind the curtain? And someone's like, oh, I want what's in the box. And it's like three bucks. Whoops, Was he also had... married to Petula Clark? Or, no, no, no. <laughs> or no, Alexa no. Yashin? <laughs> Don't make me go Carol Alt on you. Um, but Anyway, he settled for $1.25 million when he was offered three and turned it down. This makes me think of, of fanatics and, and the way in which they, they really try to press the idea of, of getting commerce done when a story is the most relevant in fans' minds. I wonder if, if this auction had happened a week after Aaron Judge's home run, if there would be a higher price point here that that three three million dollar offer privately offered was right after the game, if I remember. Yeah, there was correctly. emotion involved, right. So yeah, I, I think that this idea that, that that fanatics has captured so well, which is that fans, right when they're caught up in the heat of the moment of something, are more likely to want to buy something or more likely to spend more money on that thing. Maybe holds true here. Aaron Judge's home run chase feels like it was five years ago. As we sit here, there's a yeah. NFL season since. There's a, been a World Cup. Heck, since. he's resigned with the college Yankees football. Since. Yeah, he has a new contract. They just for me, it just feels like it was so long ago. And I do wonder if. The, the fact that that distance has happened between when the ball was hit and when someone had an opportunity to buy it at auction, if that was just too much time. And, and if, if this had happened two months ago, question. we'd see a very different thing. Interjecting with a question. Go. 
would it have made sense for, uh, and this is like, you know, self, self-propelled arbitrage here. Could Aaron Judge have bought the ball for 1.25, signed it, and like something like, hey, sh- dude should have taken the 3 million. Aaron Judge, what's it worth after that? Oh my gosh. Um, maybe more? <laughs> right. Probably. probably yeah, probably that it's worth more. more. Simply, if he signs the ball, it's worth more. Isn't isn't this the ball that that was caught and the and 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 it was given back to Aaron and then back to this guy? I can't remember actually exactly. No, I don't way. think it ever made its way back to okay, Aaron. Okay, no, no. okay. I was gonna say no, he, Aaron Judge should that be willing to sign this right just away. for just just for the niceness of it. I think, but yeah, again, I, I just it just feels to me like waited too long and and the price came down because that's just what happens with 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 these uh, either apparel or memorabilia tied to specific moments. All right, so Aaron Judge buys the ball, signs it, asks Leo Messi to also sign it. There we go. Now, now you're starting. Talking. Now you're driving value. Now there you're you driving value. And and you know these guys all, you know, they hang out together. At the SBs you could, you know, walk around and have like yeah, everybody sign it if you want to. Then the <laughs> and then you make it up. an NFT Scott. It's an NFT. And then there you, you sell that too. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, he is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor, Core Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that you can find the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will again, Evan, be expanding. Expansion of the Sportico Media Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.